The definition of agile is the ability to create and respond to change, ultimately dealing with and succeeding in an uncertain or turbulent environment. I think that we can all say with confidence that in the world of software development, being agile and agreeable to change helps you learn faster, connect with others better, and makes coding a lot more fun. Today, we're talking about the agile framework of software developers, its significance in the workplace, and the familiar steps an agile process takes to go from a project's concept to the physical minimum viable product. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Ladybug Podcast. I'm Kelly. I'm Sydney. I'm Allie. And I'm Emma. And we're debugging the tech industry. This episode is supported by Compiler, an original podcast from Red Hat discussing tech topics big, small, and strange. Compiler is brought to you by the creators of Command Line Heroes and is hosted by Angela Andrews and Brent Simino. It's no secret that technology can be complicated and frankly, a little intimidating. Compiler unravels industry topics, trends, and the things you've always wanted to know about tech by interviewing the people who know it best. I checked out the Should Managers Code episode where the hosts discuss the 80-20 rule. 80% of a manager's time is typically devoted to managing, while 20% is devoted to coding and problem solving. They discuss how it can be hard to close the door on your identity as a creator, something many new managers struggle with. The hosts also discuss how you can keep your skills sharp when most of your time is spent managing. I thoroughly enjoyed this episode, and I know you will too. Listen to Compiler on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you listen to podcasts. We'll also include a link in the show notes, and many thanks to Compiler for their support. Uh, hi. <laughs> how is everybody doing? <laughs> I am tired. Me as well. Jag är trött. Okay, we're going to go into it. Uh, I, but first, before like we actually get into our topic today, instead of having to talk about the weather today because it's like super shitty outside in St. Louis, uh, Rep. Rep. Missouri, uh, question of the day. What kind of fries do you guys prefer? It can be any type of fries. doesn't matter. Uh, hopefully, you don't hate them because you're not allergic to fried potatoes. But yeah. <laughs> So this is super funny. So I have to laugh. Yeah. In the outline, you wrote what kind of fires do you prefer? And I'm sitting here thinking like, yeah, forest fires, little fires, uh, software fires. Am I supposed to have a favorite yeah. fire? I, I was so confused. I'm like, where is this conversation going? Um, I'm, I don't know. I don't discriminate against fries. I eat potatoes in all shapes and sizes, but I would say curly fries are some of the best. Mm. My two favorites are sweet potato fries and waffle fries. I love mm. waffle fries. Uh, just like, I don't like going to Chick-fil-A for any reason. Uh, just there are political reasons for it. Go look it up, guys. I'm not going to get into that discussion today, but uh, <laughs> I love waffle fries. And uh, like, their waffle fries they're are so right. good. And I try not to go there for different political reasons. But we're not going to talk about that today. Today, we're going to talk about agile. We're going to talk about the agile processes um, and somehow maybe relate that to fries. I just, I wanted a nice, like, kind of segue into the actual topic and it didn't work, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> like I said, agile is like literally the textbook definition of it is the ability to create and respond to change, right? So hopefully we've all been in an agile environment before, potentially like a way of dealing with the different processes of going through software development, uh, 
gosh, like having to deal with any types of changes that you might need to make when it comes to projects and things. Um, and more importantly, it's, it's, it's a mindset. You are using this particular mindset and framework to really think through how you can understand what's going on in the environment um, that is around you and identify what uncertainties that you're facing and ultimately to help figure out what you can do to adapt to these projects, these requirements that you're having to complete to actually go from a concept to a specific product. So have you ladies used any agile environments before? Do you guys use it currently at work? Um, Agile in air quotes. Um, So (laughs) um, I've used a lot of agile fall, which is agile or it's waterfall masquerading as agile. Um, waterfall is kind of an agile, or it's a software development like uh, life cycle wherein you get like requirements from you know product management. They trickle down to design, then they trickle down to engineering, then they trickle down to QA. It's you know step by step process, not a ton of iterations. Um, and I'll, I found at IBM in particular, they were so about agile. They had like you know this huge agile push, but it was really four week sprints. And it, it, it like wasn't, they didn't pivot at all. Like right. it was just awful. Um, it logged me in. They actually had agile coaches, which I found interesting. Um, but to be honest, I found that a lot of the agile processes actually took up more time and weren't fully relevant to what we were like. We literally had so many like sprint planning, sprint refinement, uh, like retros, which I think are all important, but like, it just felt most of the time, like, that sucked up about 10 hours every two weeks and it was just um, painful. But at Spotify, I don't know if y'all have heard of the Spotify model, it was really popular back in 2012. And it was um, it was an approach for scaling agile that emphasizes the importance of culture and network. And it was built around squads, tribes, chapters, and guilds, things like that, and how it would grow and grow. So I think Spotify, I don't know, we technically don't use the Spotify model anymore, I don't think. Um, but we still have facets of it that work really, really well for us today. Nice. I've, I've definitely heard of the Spotify model. Um, I think that at my last job, we tried, we attempted to kind of go into those like guild tribe models and it just didn't make any sense for the uh, like company structure of how we were able to like, uh, go to the person of contact, like above us kind of. Uh, parallel to us and downward from us and different things. Um, and, and it just depends. It depends on what type of structure and what, honestly, what type of product that you're trying to sell or distribute uh, when you're using these types of methodologies. So we don't have any uh, different, like, crazy opinions necessarily on the Ladybug podcast about this. At least me in particular. I, I don't think that it's a bad thing. I don't think it's a good thing necessarily. Uh, but yeah, there, there's a lot of ways that we can kind of attribute uh, the agile process to uh, our, I guess, work lives. What about you, Kelly, in the tap room? We are such a small team that having like a proper agile process would be overkill mm. for what we do. So we we do like general sprints. We do one or two week sprints, depending on the client the project oh, nice. we're doing, but we don't really go beyond that. Um, we would rather focus on, you know, getting the work done instead of putting all these walls in to get to where we need to go. I love how we've gotten so far kind of into the process of how like dis, uh, admin, what is it? Uh, 
disadvantageous, is that the word? Uh, that agile yeah. can be depending on like what types of departments that uh, people are in, what people are doing with it. And so I, I think that we're going to be talking a little bit more about this uh, later on um, in the episode, but um, I'm glad that we brought that up because depending on what you guys know, I know some of the fans out there are looking for jobs. We know that you guys are potentially looking for jobs. You are going to be transitioning into tech soon. And maybe this isn't something that anybody has been like properly educated on when it comes to potential boot camps, when you are uh, self-studying. And I don't even know if this is like a concept that anybody um, talks about in any computer science degrees. Like, Emma, do you, have you had any like education formally about like the agile process? Because I did it. <laughs> yeah, we did. We did. We had a whole unit on it where we studied like waterfall. Um, what was the other one? Spiral. There were like a bunch of different methodologies that we studied. Um, I actually would love to just bring up the point really quickly that now like thinking about this, the agile methodology methodology is such a US focused mindset for getting work done. We have talked about how different cultures um, like collaborate in the past. We have a few episodes on stuff like this, but there is this scale. It's called the deciding scale in the, um, the book, The Culture Map by Aaron Meyer, where you plot different cultures along a scale where the left side is consensual decision making and the right side is top down decision making. And they talk a lot about like how some cultures take a long time to come to a decision and everyone is involved. But when they make that decision, it's set in stone and you do not change anything. This is a culture like that's how Germany works. Um, typically um, in the U.S., it's very much move fast and break things where you make like typically someone with uh, authority will make a decision and everyone underneath them is expected to get in line and follow it. And if, you know, it doesn't work out down the line, it's fine to change it later. And this is what I think of as agile. And I just looked it up and agile like started in 2000 when a group of 17 software developers in Oregon built this methodology. So it definitely is a US mindset when it comes to workflow. And I just found that really fascinating. Yeah. And I'm finally reading that book, by the way. Oh, really? Oh, nice. <laughs> definitely tell me how it is and how you like it. Um, I realized kind of going into um, this episode that we would have to talk about how the beginnings of this formed, because I think that the biggest thing uh, that these developers uh, were trying to do was just make a better system that didn't have to do with uh, the specifics of the problems that waterfall uh, kind of throw upon the developers uh, of this day, because you have the process of waterfall um, we'll talk a little bit, a, a tad bit more about it later on in the episode, but you have these certain phases that you cannot break and you cannot edit and you cannot change um, as you go along. Like you have to complete this project planning. You have to complete the requirements. You have to complete the building. You have to complete testing and all that fun stuff without having to actually go back and forth and be a little bit more quote unquote agile to um, make the product design it, test it, and actually deploy it. And so going into um, the Agile methodology, it, it's, again, it's the mindset uh, behind actually having good practice to help continuous integration of development and testing together as a team. And so when we kind of talk more um, about Agile, normally the tasks are broken down into small bite-sized pieces. Um, we want to make sure that this helps uh, show the product to the customers. Um, and also, I think that this is the big part. 
is that we want to make sure that when we are doing an agile process, we are actively presenting to the customers to gain that feedback that we need to start testing, to start uh, doing a little bit more of um, improvements on a certain thing that maybe a user didn't like. Uh, we go back to the drawing board just a little bit. We're able to uh, modify a couple of things, change things here, and then move on to the next part of the integration where we, again, put out a small chunk of the product get that feedback and then go on. So it's it's a circle. Um, there are a couple of diagrams that I believe I left links for in the show notes. So make sure that you guys check it out if you don't know anything about the Agile process. Um, but this, uh, I guess, Americanized uh, a version of how we do decision-making and processes, um, it, it puts the responsibility of collaboration, planning, and executing on the team to, to be a little bit more forward-thinking and independent um, to actually make sure that the... I guess the user or the customer actually gets what they need uh, in, a, in a nice incremental amount of time. So that's, I think those are some advantages. Uh, what do you guys think? <laughs> yeah, I think it can also like as a slippery slope because there are definitely, I would say probably more advantages than downfalls. Although I will say like what, this was developed in 2000 and I feel like a lot of mm. the paradigms like of Agile are still pretty archaic to this day. So I think it definitely could use an upgrade. So like, for example, like when we're practicing proper agile at my last job, do we really need an agile coach? Do we really need to have refinements for two hours every two weeks? Like at Spotify, like it's up to the individual sub squads. Like I'm working on a feature with two other people right now. And it's like, we are responsible for breaking up our tasks into manageable pieces in our JIRA board. Like at my last job, it's like we had epics and stories and tasks and like you had to track everything all the time. And it's like, do you know how much fucking time that takes? That sounds so exhausting. It's exhausting. And like, honestly, why spend so much time on refinement and planning when it, things are going to change as you start building it? So right. I think it's a double-edged sword. I think we need something a little bit more modernized that we can pivot a lot easier. But that's just me. I think structure is good, but I think it's very much like a right place, right time kind of situation. It's, it's not one size fits all. And that is important to recognize that it just does not make sense for every organization. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think more than anything, people just like really get tired of having to talk and actually like, you know, as software developers, we always say that we're in meetings instead of like actually coding. This is one of the main reasons why that we are stuck in those meetings, having to talk and communicate with the business side to make sure that we are completely and clearly understanding what they need from us and not kind of debating back and forth and making assumptions as to what they want, because that can definitely be red flags. That can be more money wasted. There more time on the projects and things. And yeah, it just, it is going to depend on how the company and the product is actually going to function to be able to actually use uh, Agile in a, in a good way. Um, I don't personally love the thought of like a, a modified agile, but again, different companies, different teams are going to work in different ways that are going to need that sort of structure, but it needs to be a flexible structure. <laughs> Very ironic that <laughs> agile is somewhat in that way. It's a fine line between like your, basically your processes should be flexible enough to allow you to work effectively. Like your work shouldn't have to fit into processes that are just overhead. And I think a lot of companies need to reevaluate what they actually think is agile. But anyway, I, I'm not going to beat the dead horse. Capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically what it is. 
it's a subset of like having to make sure that you're like making the right money and doing the right things for the right customer. Customer's always right, all that bullshit. Uh, anyways, um, let's kind of go into what is going on when it comes to uh, the Agile Manifesto. So Emma had talked about where there was the 17 developers that had actually gotten together um, thinking about, you know, they're frustrated about like, what are we going to do when it comes to the waterfall? Because it's bullshit. We don't get things done this way, blah, 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 blah. Um, there are two things that came out of that a specific meeting. So when it comes to the Agile Manifesto for Software Development, there are the four values. I am saying, I put like three fingers up and I met four, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> four values. One's invisible. <laughs> right? And 12 principles that came out of this. And so just a rundown of the four values for Agile Software Development. They wanted to make sure, these developers wanted to make sure that what was significant um, about the value that you were going to put out as a developer is making sure that individuals and interactions um, are prioritized over processes and tools. So making this product that you are trying to um, put out be about the people, be about the user that is actually going to use this physical product. Um, working software over comprehensive documentation. So this, I think, is about making sure that whatever you actually produce to the world is actually working. Um, documentation is going to be very important when it comes to actually knowing how this stuff works, but how much time are you actually putting in to this product versus actually writing down documentation that's super detailed, that's super this, super that. And we have a we have an episode, I believe, on documentation uh, that is somewhere in our season. So make sure that you check that out. Um, but going from there, another one of the values is customer collaboration over contract negotiation. So we're not going to lie, contract negotiations are important because that's how you actually start the project. That's how you know that these requirements are going to be set down in stone. Uh, and you, you kind of need money to actually be able to compensate people for their time and hard work. So that needs to be uh, negotiated down. And so uh, those things are important, but customer collaboration, making sure that you're actually getting that feedback or getting uh, in front of the customer to be able to talk about what their problems are and talk about what you can do when it comes to a solution is going to be the more important thing over actually like setting everything in stone and in a contract. And then also responding to change over following a plan. So depending on how you think of Agile, this is going to be a part of what Emma was saying was a double-edged sword. Because yes, we are following a plan when it comes to the Agile processes. But responding to the changes that are happening when it comes to the customer's wants, the customer's needs, and what exactly is out there uh, when it comes to potential bugs, when it comes to uh, potential changes that are needed to make this product work is going to be more important than actually like going off and saying like, this isn't a part of the plan. Like we're out, we're, we're not doing this anymore. And again, being flexible, being quote unquote agile to actually make the product work. So, I mean, what do you guys think about the, the values, I guess, that you're getting out of agile? <laughs> I think that makes sense. Just fundamentally, yeah. they make sense. I, I also noticed that on the the manifesto website, they have it written and they have it translated into a ton of different languages too, which I think is really very cool. nice. I didn't realize that <laughs> I visited the other day. <laughs> um, 
And then what else? We are talking about the 12 principles that were gotten, uh, received out of the uh, manifesto. So I'm going to just like run down them so we don't have to like do a too much crazy like analyzation of them because <laughs> there's a lot. There's 12. Yeah. So um, the first one is our highest priority is to satisfy the customer through early and continuous delivery of valuable software. You're going to welcome change and even late development, even in late stages, uh, the agile processes should harness change for the customer's competitive advantage. You Ooh, deliver I working. Oh, I hate that. Uh-oh. No, you can finish finish your sentiment and then I'll go off. <laughs> I, I, no, I'm ready. I'm ready for Emma's hands to be thrown. Please, please continue. Hate please. this. I hate this. <laughs> I'm sorry, but like as an engineer, if you come to me like a couple days before we're shipping something and change requirements, I'm going to say absolutely fucking not. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. For multiple reasons. The main being I cannot deliver a proper quality and ensuring quality. Wait, did I just repeat myself? It's I'm tired. I (laughs) cannot uphold our quality assurance if you come and change the requirements. And also I've architected something appropriately depending on the requirements. If you come to me, Mm -hmm. I'm gonna have to refactor all of that. Uh, I hate this and I will always push back on it. What's nice about Spotify, it's the first company I've worked at where like if they change requirements, there's no time sensitive pressure to get it done ASAP. People understand you're gonna have a minimum lovable product and it's gonna be changing over time. That's really great. Cause like, it it just seems like it's very, contradictory that that you're wanting like this to be done now but also we're we're needing you to be like able to change whenever the business says so i i definitely think that's a big red flag for companies that are really trying to make sure that they are in collaboration with the business and you know blackmail and all that fun stuff like oh we're not going to be we're cutting this contract if you guys aren't doing this this and this as a change and that's not fair that's that's not fair for everybody it's a lot of stress so kelly what do you think (laughs) everybody's ready to throw hands today as someone who works with a lot of different clients and understands the importance of client satisfaction um but also understands the importance of shipping shit instead of just continuously changing things. We have a very strict process when it comes to change requests. Uh, And we will often push things to phase two, post-launch, phase three, whatever it makes the most sense, where we like acknowledge you want this change, but it is not going to be done. No, you're fine. Honesty is the best policy. I I agree with Kelly. Please continue. Um, I wanted to also make a point um, about the first thing that you mentioned, which is like the highest priority is satisfying the customer through uh, delivery of valuable software. And I hate, I absolutely hate when companies have like one big client and they will form every single thing that they do around this client, regardless of whether or not it meets the needs of all clients. I, this happened at log me and we're like, we would have one big client and we would have to build features specifically for this client that no one else cared about. Mm. Um, and I do not think that's a really ethical nor like effective model but then money is money is king isn't that what they say capital also (laughs) this is one of like the the prime things about uh about running a company and working with clients no one client should be calling the shots no one you should not be depending on one individual client for for most of what you're making uh because that is that is running very high risk for your company if they leave. And also, again, it's a distraction from all the other clients. It's a distraction. And it's, it's it's company blackmail, I feel like. You know, if something 
goes wrong with this particular product for that specific client, then you're going to have people running around headless chicken like and oh, I'm going to come down to your office and I'm going to talk to your manager about this. And I expect that you're going to be leaving and doing things. I, I, I definitely worked at a company where it was this particular plan, this particular client that had made most of our money. And every time something went wrong, their product manager would fly down, fly down from wherever they were in the States to St. Louis to like complain to our manager. That was the worst shit in the world. Like, (laughs) and it would threaten. And nobody would actually take that seriously necessarily because they're not the ones that are like actually paying the engineers and things, but it's still distracting. It's nerve wracking. And especially to a newcomer, like you're getting threats from somebody on high. That's, that's not fair. That's not fair uh, for you to have to deal with. And it's not, it it's not fair for anybody else to have to like jump whenever that person says to you. So Ugh, it's it's a lot. There's there's a lot of things in here that we might need to dissect on anyways. Um, moving on. So I think that I said delivering uh, working software frequently. I didn't actually. So this is the third one. Deliver working software frequently from a couple of weeks to a couple of months with a preference to the shorter time scale. So that makes sense. Um, making sure that we're able to get through uh, chunks of whatever the task is. Number four is business people and developers must work together daily throughout the project. No, yeah, I I disagree with that too. Do they work together? Yes. Does it have to be daily? Hell no. I would say design and and developers work closer than uh, like uh, PMs. I mean, like we have a PM that sits on our squad, but I'll be damned if I have to collaborate with him every day. (laughs) Again, we're getting into like the... We have to follow these processes because they sound good on paper, but they're so ineffective. Yeah. Perfect. Building projects around motivated individuals, give them the environment and support that they need and trust them to get the job done. I have feelings about this because we say this, we say this concept needs to be something that happens. And I hear so many developers that are unhappy about whatever they're doing when it comes to the tasks. They feel like it's repetitive. They don't really get any time to collaborate, to innovate, to do anything like that. So there, there are a lot of places and companies, won't name names or anything like that, that just doesn't follow this principle. And it's really sad. And that's why people leave. And that's why people grow and change and do different things. So hopefully there are companies out there that will at least listen to that warning and actually try to do more when it comes to satisfying the actual individuals that are building the projects. One thing, um, when I joined, part of my onboarding with my manager was a motivation talk. Um, it started with a career conversation where we plotted along a time a, t- a scale, a time scale. I don't know what the English word for this is anymore. Um, <laughs> our careers um, by year, we both did this. And then we each plotted um, points when we were super motivated and we were super demotivated. And we were able to like map out like what gives us motivation and then there was there were a series of like 15 cards with different things like recognition from my peers uh additional time off extra money and you plot those along a scale of like most motivating to me and least motivating and so your manager is aware what motivates you personally and that was so useful and i think all companies should do that agree 
A hundred percent agree. I just, I think that that helps people know other people better just in general. It helps people kind of scale on where they should be kind of looking for when it comes to making your person happy and honestly making sure that they perform well, kind of going into like what exactly like makes them tick, makes them not really like work so much and things. So uh, that's, that would be nice. (laughs) I need to throw my application your way. That's what I need to do next. (laughs) (laughs) I also said we, we did building projects around motivated individuals. That's great. The most efficient and effective method of conveying information to and within a development team is face-to-face conversations. That I don't agree with. I don't False. agree with that. I agree. I disagree, especially in the era of remote work. Well, yeah, and especially in uh, cross-cultural teams. Hard, hmm. hard disagree. Because because yeah, I, that's very much well. I've talked about this before in the culture episode. Cross-cultural teams need low context communication processes and low context communication processes are written. It's like communication, communicating your points multiple times in different mediums and the most effective being written when it's written down, there's less um, room for interpretation. Oh, okay. I see what you're meaning. That's fair. Kelly, what were you going to say again? Oh, I was just going to yell in general, (laughs) just scream into the void. (laughs) I'll I'll save them for later. Okay. I'm not recording a podcast. Um, Next is working software is the primary measure of progress. Yes and no, I feel like, because uh, again, we're just going to kind of talk about like what we're feeling when it comes to these. I I don't feel that that should be a measure of um, progress. In, in like the biggest sense, because then you start kind of going down into how the performance of an individual uh, is going to be in that sense. I, I feel like you're, you're going to be judging your specific developer based on like, okay, whether this is uh, successful, if it's successful, great. If it's not, then people can be penalized for this. And I, I feel like a lot of companies are starting to go more with like, having to use this process, uh, especially this particular uh, principle as a way to um, judge performance on different individuals. And I don't love that necessarily. Uh, I think that it can be useful, but if this is the majority of how you are going to judge a person's performance, then I don't agree with it. Um, I also disagree because your software can work, but it might not be effective. Mm. Like what is work? What the fuck does work mean? Does it function without I have, errors? I just built something that says hello. Yeah, it works. It, it doesn't but do does anything. it allow every single user, regardless of circumstance or accessibility, the ability to a complete task that they need to complete? That is a measure of success. And does it do that with joy? I think is is a measure of real progress because everyone. Okay, I'm gonna throw a blanket statement. And anyone can build a working application to some extent. But to, to, to make an application that works joyfully is a skill, and that is a measure of progress. I like it. Next is Agile Processes promotes sustainable development. The sponsors, developers, and the users should be able to maintain a, con- a constant, consistent, a constant pace indefinitely. I don't know about that one, but 
I, I get it, I guess, to bring out that continuous feedback for the customers. Uh, I, I think that it's going to, again, depend on the company, depend on what type of product that they're building. But I get needing that constant pace. I get it. Um, continuous attention to technical excellence and good design that enhances agility. That That is... Yes. A place where we're going to be making sure that whatever we're actually designing and executing, it's going to execute in a way that is going to work, but enhances the experience of that user and that customer. Sure. Yeah. I agree with that. Absolutely. Simplicity. The art of maximizing the amount of work not done is essential. So making sure that you are creating a product and what is it? Uh, uh, you uh like under commit and then uh what is it overperform over deliver like yeah, yeah over deliver thank you so the, i think that that's the simplicity is where they're kind of going with it with that so that yeah um the best architectures requirements and designs emerge from self-organizing teams i totally agree with that i i think that I, I think that that gives us a little bit of room to actually collaborate and create things that actually make us happy, as well as making sure that we are satisfying the customers at the same time. So that gives us a little bit of room to actually grow and mature our own careers, um, as well as making sure that we're satisfying the customers. So yeah, definitely. Um, and I think this is last, but not least, of course, at regular intervals, the team reflects on how to become more effective and then tunes and adjusts its behavior according, accordingly. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I definitely wonder with you guys, um, is there different processes that you guys use to kind of make sure that you're being more reflective and tuning kind of those behaviors accordingly? We're going to be talking about more of um, what is it, the retrospectives a little bit later uh, when it comes to the uh, scrum process. But is there anything in particular that you guys do that's maybe like more unique from the scrum process to actually do that? Mm, no, we just have retros every couple of weeks and give feedback every quarter. Yeah, like we'll do post project, like a postmortem on each of our projects as we close those up. We meet regularly uh, as like an operations team to discuss our process. Uh, we meet quarterly. So, I mean, we just like various meetings along the way that we discuss the process and what's working, what's not. Thankfully, you know, again, being lean, that means that we can we can easily pivot. As yeah, as definitely. That sounds great. Awesome. Okay, well... I know that we've gone through the four values as well as the 12 principles. I was hoping to talk more about the benefits and the drawbacks uh, after we had read them, but that's totally fine. Uh, benefits, uh, I can think that depending on what your type of product is that you're trying to distribute, you can have a better overall product because this is highly tested. It is brought out in chunks and you are going to make sure that you have better customer satisfaction. And apparently that tends to be higher when you are using agile in the most efficient way possible. And you start reducing the risks of unknowns in your project. That doesn't mean that it doesn't a hundred percent, but I, I definitely feel like once you start asking those questions to the actual customer to get that feedback, to get what exactly they need. Uh, you're not in that, oh, I need to assume what needs to go here, what what this needs to actually do, because you have that communication. We have uh, talked about a lot of drawbacks that some of these concepts are outdated. We are definitely not in a space where it makes sense to just drop everything and make sudden changes 
right when the business side actually says so. We want to make sure that you are not judging how successful that the product is and like use that as a performance scale for the individual. And what else? What else? We said we said a bunch of shit that was like, whoa, this is this is definitely a drawback. <laughs> yeah, I mean, personally, I think like the drawbacks outweigh the benefits in my personal opinion. However, well, like there is no alternative to agile as far as I'm concerned. No one's created like a actual standard for a new methodology. So unfortunately, even like the effective methods, like what we're using on my team is still considered agile because it all fond- follows it all falls under this umbrella term, but I think I think it's time to create a new methodology. Uh, I think that when it comes to the projects, I, I'm not 100% sure that it makes sense to keep always at that specific sprint pace to give out that continuous feedback. I know, Kelly, you were saying at the tap room um, that you guys go through one to two week sprints, depending on the actual product that you're actually trying to uh, distribute. So how does that work where you are able to kind of adjust to make sure that you're able to get those sprints either into two weeks or one week? Uh, It really depends on what the goals of the project are. If there are smaller tasks that we can easily get done, and quite often we end up doing a lot of smaller tasks that are like maybe like bug fixes, maybe they're just like small tweaks to a page, whereas sometimes we might be building landing pages. And then other times we're building an entire custom app for a client. So just depending on like the the level of in- intensity or complexity of the project, that usually determines whether we go with one week sprints or nice. two weeks sprints. Okay, that makes sense. And it sounds like there's a lot of conversations that have to go into that to at least determine whether that's the case. So that's good communication, yeah. uh, making sure that you you have that level of communication between whoever is a part of that team and whoever is actually like making uh, the physical product as well as whoever is uh, needing that physical product. Uh, that's that's really good. Um that's the part of, I guess, one of the principles is that you're needing to have that good communication, whether or not it needs to be actually uh, in person or not. Uh, uh, uh. I will definitely say this. I do not believe in meetings that don't have food. <laughs> I, I love food. And if it doesn't have any food, any meetings, and I have to be in in person, that can be an email. I am just saying. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. Just one thing I I learned one day about motivation and willpower is that if you have food in meetings, it's good to have like a variety of different foods or or actually stick to like healthier organic options because people who are working on eating nutritious food and staying away from maybe some guilty pleasure foods will actually use their willpower to avoid eating that in meetings and will not have any willpower left to actually work. So just a caveat. That makes sense. Yeah. I, just, you're not going to be able to concentrate a whole bunch if you're in, kind of in a sugar crash. As much as I love donuts, it's it's not going to be effective for me to actually like focus on whatever is going on when I'm like, I need coffee. I'm ready to to go lay down or something like that. So <laughs> giving that option for healthy foods, that makes sense. I, I will definitely be asking around about that as soon as I figure out what else I'm going to do with my life. Um, Okay, so next, I think that we can talk a little bit about the different subsets of agile processes. Uh, We're just going to go through this as quickly as we can, because there are a bunch of them. There's not a whole bunch that you need to know about them unless you're actually like balls deep in it in a company. So of course, Scrum, that's going to be the biggest one that we're going to be talking about when it comes to the process of meetings. Uh, That's going to be something we'll talk about later. 
Extreme programming is another one. I have never experienced that before in my life. It sounds crazy. It sounds terrible, but that's going to depend on the person. Have you guys done any extreme programming before? <laughs> no, I have not. Not in the sense that they they discuss extreme Fair programming. Fair enough. Fair enough. There is also test-driven development. The biggest thing there is that you are going to be making sure that you develop tests first before you actually go into the significance of building whatever that feature is. I know that behavioral-driven development is sort of a subset to test-driven development. I think they're either siblings or something to that effect. Making sure that you know about what the user is going to be experiencing is, is, uh, when you go along. There is, of course, the Kanban board. There is Scrumbon. I had never heard about this until maybe last week. And then there's a scaled agile framework, which is safe for for all the initials. And then of course you have waterfall, which isn't technically an official agile concept. That is kind of an anti-pattern to what agile is, but you know, we have to acknowledge it. That is something that people used to do, probably still do, and it sucks. But um, I, I think that we should take a break. And when we come back, then we'll talk more about Scrum and go into a little bit of detail with that. This episode is brought to you by Dexecure, a company that helps web developers save time by automating repetitive optimization tasks. Images, JavaScript, CSS, HTML, fonts, and even third-party assets. Dexecure optimizes them all with just one line of code so you can focus on what you love doing, building new and exciting websites. No matter the device or browser type, Dexsecure will always deliver the best version of your website. Visit dexsecure.com slash ladybug or enter the code ladybug for one month free when you sign up for any basic or pro plan or try it out with a free account. This episode is sponsored by ConfigCat. Easily use feature flags in your code with ConfigCat libraries for 10 plus platforms, including JavaScript, Python, Ruby, Java, and more. Toggle your feature flags visually on the visual dashboard. Hide or expose features in your application without redeploying code. Set targeting rules to allow you to control who has access to new features. ConfigCat allows you to get features out faster, test in production, and do easy rollbacks. You can try it out with their forever free plan or get 25% off any paid plan with the code LADYBUG2021. Release features faster with less risk with ConfigCat. Check them out today at configcat.com. Okay, we are back. And I want to talk a little bit about what Scrum is. So our episode today is Agile and Scrum. So this particular concept of Agile is a lightweight Agile framework designed to solve complex problems that require iterating through a solution. And so, again, this is a subset of the Agile process. And what I think distinguishes this between like others, other types of Agile, is that you're wanting to make sure that you you do things a little bit faster. I, I, I think that you're actually making sure that you are bringing out the product, distributing it as fast as you possibly can within those like confines of the sprints, meetings, blah, 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 blah. And you're going to be iterating through these sprints. We, we probably spread, said sprints a bunch of times, but these are short time boxed periods where a scrum team will work to complete a set amount of work. 
So this can take up to a week. This can take up to four weeks. It, again, it's going to depend on the need of whatever the product is, whatever you're distributing, and the amount of team members that are actually able to deliver this. And I don't know about you guys, uh, how many like team members do you have on your team? <laughs> Any of our given projects, it just, again, depends on the size of it. So we might have two developers on a project. We might have six, five developers on a project. And then usually one designer got the project manager, got an account manager. That's yeah, we have maybe like nine people on the team, most of which are developers. We have a PM, an engineering manager, and a designer as well. Okay. A uh, product project manager, right? PM. Yeah. So we'll we'll talk a little bit more about like what maybe the careers that you might be interested in are uh, if you're potentially looking to go into more agile concepts. But as we go along, when it comes to the different types of sprint sets that you do, you're going to have all these fun meetings. Again, I don't love meetings unless there's food there, but these are some of the ones that are pretty important to actually get some of the communication out there between your business, between whoever your project manager is, between the developers, testers, whatever. Sprint planning is going to be one of the bigger ones. So you're going to need to make sure that you choose the right framework and items for the sprint that you're doing. So this is a collaborative effort between the product owner, the scrum master, and the development team. And you're going to make sure that you're discussing the objectives that the sprint should achieve and what products that you're going to be actually working on from the backlog of items and tasks that you need to do. So once you have achieved the goal of completing, quote unquote, the sprint, then you're going to close them out. You're going to do this all over again when it comes to sprint planning and see what else you can do in those iterative amount of times. The uh, next thing that you kind of do when it comes to sprint planning is that you need to make sure that the backlog items have a, a certain progress I guess, bar with it, a consideration with it. You need to make sure you understand like what actually needs to happen to get them done before the end of the sprint. You make sure that they're chosen by priority in the sprint. Um, and then you're going to set the progress. Is this the thing that needs to be in the backlog? Is this going to be done in this next sprint? Is it in progress or is it done? So making sure that you're understanding what those categories are for each task and going from there. Again, something that is in sprint planning that you're going to be doing iteratively every time that you complete a sprint. The daily stand-up is, I, I know a lot of people that don't love stand-ups. Eh, they're, they're, kind of they're kind of neutral to me. Uh, you're just kind of talking about your work and then going on with your lives. The daily stand-up during a sprint is when the team is just going to check in. You're all going to get together. You're going to talk about what you did the day before, what you're doing today. And if you need any help, if there's any roadblocks, uh, I, I know that a lot of people don't like stand-ups for whatever reasons that they don't. I feel like it's pretty good communication to actually see what people need when it comes to uh, their tasks to get done. But what about you guys? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we have these meetings, but I don't find them useful. That's fair. That's fair. We've tried a bunch of different things. Like we've tried asynchronous like robot meetings and stuff. But it's just like, I think at this point, we've kept the face-to-face -face virtual meetings just to get like socializing. <laughs> so <laughs> I just hate I, meetings. I, I do too. I, I personally make sure that I keep all of my tasks that I'm meeting to do and my 
developer journal where I record all of my progress that I've done for the day. And so I, I get where people need to kind of like know where my progress is. But I feel like individually, we could probably track that what in a Trello board and in, in some way where it's like custom to like, regarding like our thing. And then maybe the product manager can actually go and look and if they need to ask us questions, then they can. That would be a really nice way to do things. So it's on us to actually make sure that we're, um, what is it, uh, uh, being independent and forthcoming about like what we're doing when it comes to our progress and go from there. That'd be so nice. We do midweek check-ins. There's no need to do it daily. Uh, if there's If there's a larger task, we just ping on Slack, just like in the project channel, checking in, how are things going? Do you have any blockers? Nice. That's, That's it. so nice. It's cut and dry to the point. Okay. Uh, next, I, I, I wonder if this is going to be the most important part of the agile process, especially for Scrum. The sprint review is where you are going to be demonstrating what you have completed during the sprint that you just completed. So this is your team's opportunity to actually showcase the work to the stakeholders, to the project manager, to the customers. And this is going to happen right before you hit uh, production, actually deploying it out somewhere. Normally, I, I've heard different things. This happens either before deployment or it happens like right after deployment. They kind of experiment online to see if there are different things that are wrong and then they give us feedback, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I think that's going to depend on what your team is actually going to need. And then... We'll talk a little bit about sprint retrospectives. So at the top of the show, we talked a little bit on how people kind of go in and actually try and improve their processes of Scrum a little bit better or of Agile a little bit better. And retrospectives are normally how you do it. Sometimes they're called postmortems. Uh, I don't know why we do that when it comes to <laughs> calling it that, but whatever. Um, but this is your team's opportunity to identify areas of improvement for the next cycle or the next iterative part of your sprint. So what did you like about this sprint? What didn't you like? What were some problems that came up? What were some successes? Shout outs to people that actually did well on something and where exactly as a team do you need to hit on to actually be a better improving team when it comes to the product that you're distributing? So it's a nice sort of therapy session, I guess, uh, to talk about like what is kind of going on when it comes to the product. I know that that was where I definitely let loose when there was like shit hitting the fan and everything. Uh, whether or not it was actually uh, something done about it is debatable, but that is where you can air out your grievances, hopefully in a safe environment. Yeah, I like it. So there is that. <laughs> um, gosh, that is the rundown of kind of how the meetings work when it comes to the Scrum process. We do have some more links in the show notes about what different other concepts that have to go into Scrum as well as Agile. So make sure that you check those out. But I know that some people out here are actually looking and interested potentially in careers that are in potential Scrum or Agile. And you can get certified for knowing these type of concepts. So a Scrum Master is one way that you can uh, be certified in. That is, I like to call them the work therapy person, like the, <laughs> the therapist. Uh, I, I like airing my grievances out to my Scrum Masters most of the time. Should I? Probably not, but eh. Um, <laughs> they're the person that helps kind of guide the team going to wherever they need to go successfully, making sure that they help when it comes to the disagreements on the team, making sure that there is open and honest communication. 
a product owner, they're going to be the person that is the liaison between the technical side as well as the business side. They're going to be hearing all the grievances of the customer, making sure that we file those tasks down to the little bits of information that the technical side, the development team actually needs to execute whatever the customer wants and go from there. The business analyst, I've heard different types of degrees on what people need to do when it comes to this type of role, because again, you're helping out with the product owner to negotiate things on the business side, as well as help when it comes to the smaller meetings that the developers and testers don't need to actually go to, to find out information. Um, I, I've heard that they also do a little bit of testing, which is kind of cool. So it's, it's just going to depend. You can also be an agile coach, which is kind of a step up from the scrum master from what I understand. And so that person is going to be the person that is teaching more to the development team on how they should be working when it comes to an agile perspective. And that is where the the agile coach is going to make you think a little bit more critically about how you can flow as a team better together. Maybe they are kind of the team therapist. Uh, that's going to depend, but I've had good positive experiences with agile coaches. And so, yeah, that that's one way. Um, project managers, I think, also do the same thing as product owners, just like at a bigger step. Uh, I've always heard them kind of interchangeably, but you can get certifications in all of these roles. And you can also be certified as a, what is it, a scrum or agile developer. So you just like know all of these concepts kind of going into an agile environment and team. So I have been certified. I am currently working on my scrum master uh, certification. So that'll hopefully be done soon. But yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, hard. It's it's definitely hard. Um, I, I don't know when I'm going to use it, but hopefully I will do so in my career because being a team therapist is fun, especially when people argue. How about that? <laughs> I just, I didn't need to go down this scrum path because I uh, I am a trained therapist. So I already checked that box. Wait, what? Or wait, are you serious? Or are, you, <laughs> are you joking? Yeah. I have a master's in social work. No, I'm a, I'm a trained clinical oh, therapist. Oh, I didn't know that. That is so cool. Maybe I need to start it's paying very you for business. <laughs> I need to start paying you for my therapy. That's what needs to happen. Perfect. <laughs> 37 days. So 37 days until I'm down there. <laughs> <laughs> <Woo> <laughs> uh, almost, almost time. So, okay. I, I think that we're good with all of the rundown of Agile in this episode. So let's go to shout outs. Emma, why don't you go first? Uh, my shout out is just to everyone that hasn't been verified on Twitter, specifically women and people of color who, who need to be verified for many reasons. Um, Twitter, get your shit together. Ooh. <laughs> Thank you. Fighting words. Uh, Kelly, mm -hmm. Kelly, what about you? Uh, so last week I went to my lake house up in Michigan uh, to relax and I read five books and it was amazing. Um, but one book in particular I wanted to shout out was Malibu Rising by Taylor Jenkins Reid, which is the same author of Daisy Jones and the Six. Both really phenomenal books. Highly, highly recommend reading. Just a just a fun fiction to enjoy. Every book she writes is fabulous. Oh, yeah. good to know. What good about you? Uh, okay, so um, shout out to 
all of my video games from my childhood. So the rundown of this shout out is because I made the executive decision the other day to actually get rid of all of my game platforms and old games that do not serve me anymore. And so I, I had a pretty fucked up day that day, like actually making that decision and actually like looking through the physical like copies of these games that I like absolutely love and adore. And I sold them and now they're gone and I have digital copies of all of them. So it doesn't really matter, but it was a fucked up day for me for that. So shout out to my childhood uh, that kind of formed me into the person that I am today. I will miss all of those games physically, but they still give me the same joy uh, as digital copies on my PlayStation 4. How about that? So yeah, that is it. If you liked this episode, make sure that you tweet about it. We'll select one winner to access the Agile Masterclass course. So make sure that you guys tweet about this. Really important. We post new podcasts every Monday, so make sure that you subscribe. We're, gosh, we're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. So just make sure that you subscribe somewhere to be notified and make sure that you leave us a five-star review. That is it from us. Thank you so much for listening, joining us, and we'll see you soon. Peace. Peace.